Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. My name is Noel. I am part of the team here at C3 in Kelowna. I'm just going to start by praying, and then we'll, we'll get into it. So, Lord God, come to you this morning. We thank you so much for every person in this room, every person that's watching online. And we thank you that today the words that are spoken are your words. They're your challenge to us, your, your challenge to me. And Lord, I thank you that you are changing hearts. You change people's lives. And you help us to move to that next level, to that next place. Thank you that you work on the hearts of everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old saying that when a minister is preaching about a certain topic, when they get particularly passionate about something, you, you might be able to deduce that that minister is actually dealing with that very thing that he's te- teaching about or, t- or preaching about. And that today, it's not every time, but that today does apply to me, okay? It does apply to me today. Over the last few weeks, God has been speaking to me about this very thing and trying to change something in me. So I'm sharing this with you, but please know that I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching to anybody else hearing this today. Uh, and I, I, I have to be doing this. I have to be thinking about this a lot. Uh, we are in the middle of a series, or kind of get nearing the end of a series called uh, "Building Altars and Redigging Wells," and it's based on Genesis chapter 26. Now, in Genesis 26, uh, Isaac had been living in the land of a man named Abimelech, yeah. and. Abimelech was this landowner, he had a whole bunch of land, and and Isaac had started to prosper on Abimelech's land. And Isaac got to a certain point where he was so uh, prosperous that he became so powerful. I mean, the more wealth you had, the more power you had. He became so prosperous and powerful that Abimelech was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, you got to leave now. You're too powerful for us. And so Isaac has to get all of his stuff and he has to leave and he goes to this place called the Valley of Gerar. And when he gets to this valley, he starts digging up these wells. He'll get to a certain spot and he finds these places where the Philistines, previously when they had been driven out of the land, the Philistines had filled in the wells because as Pastor Kimberly spoke a couple weeks ago, if you, the, the well was like a, a, a spring of life. It was a place where people came and it pr- pr- produced life for the land. And the Philistines didn't want the people of Israel doing this, so they filled in the wells to stop the life. And so Isaac is here, and he's redigging up these wells. And every time he does this in this valley for the first while, every time he digs up a well, there's this group of people that somehow come in after he's dug up the well and, and disputes with him that that's our land. We were here first. And so he actually does the Christian thing, and he goes, okay, we'll move on to another area. And he digs up another well, and some other group comes in, that's our well. And he keeps doing this, and this happens a number of times for him. Unfortunately, because of that, he ends up in this place where they've got to keep 
like moving around quite a bit when they get to this valley and they can't find a place for themselves. I'm sure there's an entire other message that could be preached on about how sometimes whatever well you're digging up is actually supposed to be the life spring for someone else. Right? But here he is, and we're going we're gonna to start, we're going to read through this in Genesis, Genesis chapter 26. We're going to start in verse 22 and through to 25. And it says, and this is the New Living Translation, it says, Abandoning that one, the previous one that he had a dispute with, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space, for he said, and you can almost hear his relief here, Oh, finally. <laughs> At last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. So over the last few weeks with all this talk about digging wells, today I want to talk about an altar that we need to rebuild. Altars in the Bible were a place to make a sacrifice to God. Now the thing about altars, they were always built out of these like large stones. They always took a significant amount of effort to build. Like you had to, uh, sometimes you had to travel for a distance to find boulders enough, especially if you're in like fertile ground. The thing that makes fertile, like ground fertile is not having rocks. Yes. Like it has soil. So sometimes they had to travel and they had to get these boulders and bring them over to where they wanted to build their altar. And so it was work. It was physical labor. I mean, and sometimes, you know, they had to like dig for these rocks. Maybe they were digging up a well and found these rocks or whatever it was, right? They, they, had, to, they had to do this work. Um, altars were not shrines. Right. That's true. They weren't some sort of thing where once it's built, everybody just sort of looks at it and remembers something positive about what happened there that day. Mm-hmm. There was, it was, it, it, altars were more like tools, They were a tool where people would sacrifice. It always required effort. It always required sacrifice. Altars always cost something, and it's always something personal and something of value. I mean, altars in the time in the Old Testament when they were building altars, altars were a part of the established method of connecting with God. There's an interesting note here. A few hundred years after Isaac, there's a story of this guy, Ezekiel. And in, this, in the book of Ezekiel, the people of Israel have been basically captured and taken away for 70 years. And when they were allowed to return to their land, they went to the temple and they had to rebuild the altar in the temple, the altar of sacrifice. And what's super interesting about this story is that when we were talking about the wells that had been filled in, they had been filled in by Israel's enemies. But the altar in the temple had to be rebuilt, but it wasn't broken because of Israel's enemies breaking it down. It had to be rebuilt. It was broken down because of neglect. 
because it hadn't been used. So what is this altar that we're going to be rebuilding today? In Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 24, in the New Living Translation, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. The New King James Version of that verse says, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. The altar that we're going to be looking at rebuilding is the altar of sacrificing or denying yourself. Uh, the word of God will put this in a couple of different ways, scriptures you find. And if you see these scriptures saying denying yourself or denying your flesh, it means the same thing. It means basically the same thing. So the title of today's message this that we're going to be sharing is doom scroll no more <laughs> doom scrolling is the action of consuming large amounts of content on social media the internet um, content that would be things like negative news uh, stuff that would have a negative impact on you emotionally psychologically spiritually that kind of stuff and when you're sitting there you know scrolling through a whole bunch of stuff that is pretty much useless to your life, it actually is kind of having a negative effect on you. In fact, there's a study in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology uh, out of the University of Philadelphia, I believe it was, uh, and they came to this conclusion. I'm, I'm just going to read this, and uh, this is the quote that they had. They said, what we found overall is that if you use less social media, you are actually less depressed and less lonely, meaning that the decreased social media use is what causes that qualitative shift for the better in your well-being. They did this, this study, I was reading this study about this, and they, did, they uh, took uh, hundreds of university students, people who are you know, millennials and, and people who are in the, those ages of being in university, and they did this study where they took a whole bunch of people and they had them using social media, and then they, they uh, asked them to cut their social media down to like 25% of what it was before. 100% of the time, symptoms of depression started to leave. 100% of the time. Every single person, hundreds of students they tried this with, every one of them, their life started to feel better. Now, is doom scrolling a sin? No, not necessarily. But it's not, it's not, yeah, no. But it's not beneficial to you. It's definitely not good for you. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 12, in the New Living Translation says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. Like, I can do whatever I want. But not everything is good for you. Right. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. That's right. I know what you're thinking. Come on, Noel. I'm not a slave to scrolling on my phone. All right. 
then if you're not, for the rest of the day today, every time you find yourself picking up your phone to open up your social media, don't. And see how much your habits scream at you a little bit. <laughs> Now, is this message today really about, just about doom scrolling? No, obviously not. It's not just about doom scrolling. I'm gonna use this doom scrolling just as, a, as an example today of things that distract us from, or take us away from following what Christ has for us, the, the plan that he has, following him. This can be all kinds of things. This can be movies, this can be fashion, this could be makeup, this could be video games, it could be food, it could be sleep, it could be work. It's anything that distracts you from your purpose. For what we're supposed to be doing, who we're supposed to be. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25, in the English Standard Version, I'm choosing the English Standard for a very specific reason in here, and I'll explain that in a second. It says this, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, on the screen, can we keep up 24? Can we keep 24 up on the screen for a bit? Okay, so I'm going to leave this up on the screen for a minute because I want to walk through this. It says here, and, and, and I really want to be careful that everybody understands what's saying. It says, you know, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Does that literally mean like nailing yourself to a cross? No, 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 that's not what it means. And when it says the flesh here, I wanna talk this through a little bit, I wanna, because I want, uh, having this up here will really help everybody sort of see this. The word flesh here, we kind of have an idea of, like in our spiritual minds, we kind of have this idea of what this means, but what we think this means is not actually what it means. The word flesh here is the Greek word uh, sarks. And it means human nature. It means material things. It means things that are not necessarily evil or bad or things that are good. It's just things. It's just natural things. Um, the way that it's used in this verse is natural, unaided human effort. It means those things that I can do by myself whether God helps me with something or not. Those things that I just like and do and, and think and whatever, regardless of spiritual anything else. Some translations, the reason I, I wrote this, I did this out of um, English Standard Version because it, this is actually the most accurate version to the scripture. A lot of other translations will add things around, um, around sinful nature and stuff like that. But that's not actually what this verse was originally saying. It had nothing to do with sinful nature. It just had to do with human nature, just our natural tendencies. A sinful nature, of course, applies to that, right? But it's not the point of the scripture. Now, in that verse, the word passion, uh, the word passions there is the Greek word pathema, and it means the capacity of experiencing strong emotion. It's something that is felt, something that is related to deep emotion. And the word desires is the Greek word ap uh, epithumia. I think I got that right. And it means focused on passionate desire, passion built on strong feelings or urges, 
and it can be positive or negative. And when you read this, you know, it actually kind of comes back to this idea. Uh, it's things that are not beneficial to our walk with God or the purpose that he created us for. That doesn't necessarily mean it's something bad or terrible. It just means that it's something that isn't necessarily going to help us in our purpose. If this were being written today, it might say something like, anyone who belongs to Christ have put down the desires of our natural, unspiritual selves, those things that produce a dopamine hit. Because that's a natural thing. But go to verse 25 there. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I love this part about keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with somebody requires concentration. Have you ever done that where you're walking next to somebody and tried to like, you know, their, when their right foot goes down, your right foot, you ever done that before? When I was dating Steph for the first, you know, first few weeks and months when we walk, I'd try to make sure I was in the same step. It takes concentration. Uh, there's a big, difference between being controlled by our natural fleshly desires and being concentrated in staying in step with the spirit. There's a huge difference between those two things. Have you ever seen the army marching? You know, you have the army and they're, they're doing their march. Left, 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 right. You know what I'm talking about? Why are they doing that? Why are they marching in step with one another? The reason is because they are keeping their soldiers' focus on what they're supposed to be doing in the moment and not getting distracted. So if they're concentrated on left, 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 they're not thinking about the other things that are going on around, the, the nature around them, the buildings that are, you know, the people and whatever. They're not thinking about that stuff. They're thinking about, I got to stay in step. I have to stay in step with what's guiding me. Now, is this saying that we can't enjoy movies or social media or games or we can't go and do leisure activities? No, of course not. God gave us a desire to do those things. In fact, God himself rested on the seventh day. Jesus practiced the Sabbath. He spent time with his family. He had fun with his friends. But... This isn't really about that. There's an old saying that says people only do what they really want to do. And is that true? Like, I really only do the things that I want to do. Given the freedom to do something, I'm going to be like, yeah, I want to go do this. Because <laughs> it's fun. It produces a dopamine hit. It makes me feel good. But if I'm... If I really want to take this time, if I really want to change and, and be able to do, sometimes I have to look at it and go, you know, like, what is my focus? What am I focused on? And that's what this is really about. It's, it's really talking about your focus. Where is your focus? If your overall general focus is on other things, if, let's say, you're uh, spending eight hours a day binging Netflix series, but you're only spending five minutes with, God, maybe something's out of whack. If you're filling your mind with 
internet memes, but not renewing your mind with the word of God, we might be off base. Gary Thomas from Cherry Hills Community Church in Denver actually put it this way, and I love this. I saw this the other day, and I was like, this, this is just so impactful. He says, are you going to clothe yourself with God's grace or with Gucci? Are you going to put on the armor of God or put on Armani? Are you going to live in the victory of Christ or Versace? Are you going to walk in Christian surrender or walk in Christian Dior shoes? Now, again, it's not that any of those things are wrong. But if they take up a priority in your life, then you have a problem. I want to share a little story about this last little bit. I, I mentioned earlier that this is something that God, you know, this message is for me. I've been dealing with this. So... Over the last few months, there's been this new sort of a burning inside of me for doing whatever God wants, that I, I wanted to put aside things that were just not really useful. It doesn't mean that I didn't want to have fun and enjoy life. I just wanted to make sure I put myself in a place where he could use me. It started with a question where I was like, God, where are the greater things? Where are the greater? You said that all these things you would do and do greater, but where are the greater? And he kind of challenged me. He said at the time, he's like, are you willing to do what it takes to get to the greater? And at the time, I, asked, I had to answer him honestly, I don't know if I am willing. Yeah. But over time, he started dealing with my heart a little bit. And he started bringing me to this place where I wanted to. And I was starting to put some things aside. I was starting to deny those kind of things that were not necessarily beneficial and focusing a little bit more on him. Now, that was going well. And I was seeing some awesome things happen. We saw miracles. We saw healings. We saw awesome things. And then I went away for a week on a business trip. And while I was away, I was thinking about the fact that I want other people. How come other people aren't doing this? And it started making me think about things, about getting discouraged about the things that other people are not doing. And, and then I started well, you know what? And then I got distracted and I started thinking about the stuff that makes me feel good and the things that I want to do and I started focusing on a video game or I started focusing on some other things and I, the next thing I know, up to you know, a couple weeks ago, I was getting into a bit of a darker place. I was not seeing the movement of God. I wasn't seeing the things that, were, that I wanted to see. Yeah. And I, I got to this point where I had to realize, wait a sec, I got my focus on the wrong thing here. I'm not in step with the spirit anymore. I'm in step with my old nature. I'm going back to being controlled by my old nature. Right. If you were to bring this to a modern term that we use in, in today, the word would be priorities. The Bible doesn't have the word priority in it. But the way that the word, the way that the Bible uses this term or the way that it describes it, it says it's what you set your sights on. Because here's the thing. If I'm trying to walk to the wall over here, but I'm keeping my eyes over here, invariably, I'm going to get off course. I probably just stepped out of the camera view, so I apologize for that. But when you start walking in a direction, you have to get your eyes on the direction that you want to go and start going in that direction. If you turn to the right or the left, you're going to go off track. 
probably a whole other message in there about getting off track, right? Colossians 3, verse 1 to 3 in the New Living Translation says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life, I love this so much, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I was trying not to go down this rabbit hole, but I have to go down this rabbit hole a little bit because this is so critical. Especially when we're younger and we start seeing we have all these friends and we have all these things and there's all these drama and all this stuff that's going on. We think that how our whole identity is wrapped up in our friends, wrapped up in all the things that we're doing and all the, all the people and the, the stuff. We think everything is wrapped up in that. But here, God is saying to us, your real life yes. yeah. is hidden with Christ and God. It's there. It's in Christ. That's where your real life, that's who the real you is. That's who the healed you is. Yes. That's who the powerful you is. Yeah. That's where it is. It's hidden in Christ with God. Uh, when you set your sights on the realities of heaven, when you do Matthew 6.33, seek first spreading his kingdom here on earth. That's the priority. He's not going to deny you the nice things. He's not going to deny you. He's not going to stop you from having leisure. He's not going to stop you from having the Gucci bag. That's not what it's saying. That's not what we're getting at. What we're saying here is that when your priority is on him, I love that Matthew 6.33, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. All those things will come. God wants to give you good things. He wants to bless you. He wants, but your priority has to be in the right place. If it's not in the right place, why would he? Does that mean you should feel guilty for enjoying a movie? For playing a game with friends or whatever? No, of course not. It's, it's not about that. I mean, Romans 8, 1 uh, I, I got it in the New King James here. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to their flesh, their natural instincts, the things that they would want to do, but according to the Spirit. And there it is again. You know, what are we walking in step with? We're walking in step. Are, is it our flesh or our natural desires or with the Spirit? It's what your priority is set on. If your priority is to walk after the Spirit, you don't need to feel condemned because your general focus is on God, on His Spirit, on His will. Why do, why do people sin? Why do we fall into sin? Even as Christians, if we are Christians, why do we fall into sin? It's because we don't practice denying ourselves, denying our flesh. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about athletes. And he talked about an athlete that disciplines himself to get a prize. That athlete, is he not denying his flesh? Absolutely. Yeah. In order to succeed, he has to deny himself. He has to go to bed early instead of staying up late with friends. He has to wake up early instead of sleeping in. He can't eat that hamburger, but instead eat healthy proteins and things that are going to build his strength. 
He has to go to the gym instead of watching Netflix. The athlete practices denying his flesh, denying his own self. He has to sacrifice things in order to be successful. How many of you want to be successful? You have to sacrifice to be successful. That is a universal law like gravity. It's what it is. You have to sacrifice. He sacrifices his time. He sacrifices his personal comfort, his own natural habits. It doesn't matter what it is. He's going to go, nothing is more important to me than that prize, and I will give up anything to get it. That's what it is. Have you ever looked at other Christians? Like, let's, Pastor Dave was recently where uh, Billy Graham's sort of memorial thing is. Have you ever looked at those other Christians and think, why is that person successful? Why is Billy Graham so successful? You know why he's successful? Billy Graham looked at the Bible, he saw something, an instruction, and he just did it. He started doing it. He saw, that that speaks to me, I'm going to go do that. And he just started doing it. He probably didn't have all the information he needs. He probably didn't have the skill set he needs when he started it. He just started. But do you think that if Billy Graham had Netflix at the time, he wouldn't have been tempted to be distracted by Netflix? Of course he would. I'm not trying to pick on Netflix. I'm just using this as an example. I want us to look at this and go, maybe I don't need to watch eight hours of Netflix today. Maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe, I need, maybe I'd rather do something else that's beneficial. It starts with practicing denying yourself in the small things. Do you remember, anybody here remember the Karate Kid? Mr. Miyagi has him doing all these menial tasks and he asks him to go and wax his car. And Daniel-san is like, why? And he shows him, wax on, wax off. And Daniel has no idea why this is happening. And he says, what is going on? But later he realizes that the motion that he's doing is actually preparing him to be able to block the blows of the enemy. But it starts with the small thing, the simple little thing. If we're going to rebuild an altar, any altar, we need to rebuild the altar of sacrificing our own selves, our own wants, our own desires in order to find the success that God has for us. We need to rebuild the altar of denying our flesh. Remember earlier I mentioned that altars cost something of value? In the Old Testament, when you brought a sacrifice to God, it was always the best lamb. It was always the prize-winning animal. The thing that they valued the most. That's what you sacrificed. I don't know about you, but as a parent... I'm a busy guy. I got a lot of stuff going on. I got a full-time job of my own. I've got my wife and my daughter who are both in school, and I have to support that. I've got to deal with a lot of things going on. And this is good. I'm glad they're doing their, their stuff. To me, the things that I value most right now are my time and my money. <laughs> so what do you think God is going to ask me to put on the altar? 
I want to tell you a quick little story, and I'm going to wind down with this. This is where we're going to start slowing down here and, and bring this. Over the last little while, um, after I had that sort of like a couple weeks where I was getting kind of into my own thing, and I was stepping away from what I thought God was doing, and I was focusing on myself, I got to my last Sunday, actually. I got to this point where I was like, no, I'm in the wrong spot. i got to get back to the right thing here. And I started pressing into his presence again. And as I was doing that over the last little while, this message, like, Lord, the Lord had given me this message to share, like, several weeks back. And the Lord was challenging me on this, and he's saying, well, okay, if you're going to be sharing on denying the flesh, don't you think you should be denying your flesh sometimes? And I was like, no, God, like, I'm going to tell them. It's not for me. <laughs> but no, it is for me, right? Like, it's, it's, it is. And here's an interesting thing that happened. The last, so Friday night, I kind of had the evening to myself, and I was like, I'm going to just sit and play my game and do nothing. And the Lord prompted my heart. He said, why don't you come and spend some time with me instead? And so I did. I spent some time just pressing into him. And then Saturday morning, yesterday morning, same thing. I got up. I had something I wanted to do. And again, the Lord said, why don't you come and spend some time with me? And I did. Yesterday, I came and we went out for our, uh, we went out for our, our outreach thing here. We get to City Park, and the first person that we come across to, to talk to is this guy that's um, at the tennis court. And for the outreach part, I was just, I was just praying. I wasn't necessarily the one that was going to walk up and talk to people. I was just staying back and praying. I wasn't, I don't crowd anybody who's getting ministered to or anything like that. I stay, stand back. I'll, I'll kind of try to stay where there's enough that I can hear what's going on, but I won't necessarily, because I want to just be praying for that situation in that moment, praying for that person that they would hear and that they would understand. So I'm with Rob and Lynn, and they walk up to this guy, and they start introduced. They just say, hey, how's it going? They start having this conversation with this guy. And I just start praying. And, I, I, and I, this is literally what happened. I'm praying out loud, not necessarily loud enough for that person to hear. I'm just praying out loud. And I say these words. I say, Lord, let your presence come upon Rob and Lynn. And I said, and Daniel. I thought, well, that's interesting. All right. And I just kept praying. Two minutes later, after they'd started talking to Lynn says, by the way, what's your name to this guy? And he said, oh, my name's Daniel. Yeah. My mind went, <laughs> like, what? God spoke this guy's name and had me praying that the presence of God be on him before he even mentioned his name to Robin Lynn. So good. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't spent the time beforehand saying, you know what, I don't need to play my game right now. I don't need to do these things that I need to do. I need to get into the presence of God. We want God to move. But are we willing to do what it takes to get that? It has to start somewhere. You can start with denying your flesh when you're tempted to watch Netflix instead of you know, instead of that, go and get into the Word of God. Maybe you choose not to buy the latest and greatest Android phone. Instead, you choose to settle for an iPhone or something. Oh, there it is. 
No, I'm kidding. But maybe you choose not to get the latest phone and you go, you know what, my old one works fine. I'm going to take that money instead. And I'm going to put it into helping someone come closer to the kingdom of God. The thing is, is that we have to start somewhere. And maybe you just simply start by making a choice to put your phone down. Yeah. Instead of going on social media because you know that it's probably going to lead to doom scrolling. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that, Lord, I'm challenged here. Yes. And Lord, it's all for your glory anyway. It's all that we would be the people that can bring people to you, that we would demonstrate a life that would bring people to you. And so, Lord, let your words go with us as we go on through this week, that we challenge ourselves and we go, hey, God, I'm going to choose you instead of choosing the thing that I would normally do. We thank you for your, your presence and your spirit. In Jesus' name. And Lord, uh, we just, I just want to say for everybody here, if there's anybody here who has not, uh, if, if you're feeling this on your heart today, if this is something that's, that's you know, is important and, and something that has challenged you and maybe cut to the heart a little bit, uh, we have some. We have a couple of service hosts here who can can pray. I'd just like to maybe just slip up your hand if there's something that you you would love to receive some prayer for. Uh, our 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 ministers will will come and chat with you afterwards. But we want to make sure that if there's anybody here who has not asked Jesus into their heart, that you would be willing to make that decision because. We want to see people brought to God. We want, really, our goal is to make sure that you know the creator. You know the person who designed you for a greater purpose. And we want you brought to that. So if there's anybody here, don't be afraid. You feel free to slip up your hand, and, and we'll have one of our, our ministers come and chat with you. If not, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you again so much for this. And, we just ask that you go with every person in this room and every person watching online. And Lord, we pray that they would have the most successful week that they've ever had because of your presence on their life, because they choose you instead of choosing the things that distract them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.